In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNenny. What a powerful vision of our Lord this verse gives us. Mighty to save. Perfect for the Holy Week we're getting ready to enter. Delight Him, prepare to be quieted by His love, and rejoiced over with singing. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. And I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My topic this week is going to be obedience. But before we get to that, I can't resist. Amid 70 degree balmy days, we woke up last Sunday to five inches of snow. We were sunbathing on Saturday and it snowed on Sunday. It had fallen stealthily and heavily while we slept and its eerie light flooded our bedroom at 4 a.m., waking us up to the silence. Our trash cans and mailboxes looked as though they'd been topped with these fluffy little marshmallows. We were once again thrust into the winter landscape. It's been 20 years since a downfall of snow this late in March has occurred. And then I think it was only about half an inch. In true Texas style, it melted without a trace, except for some muddy areas in our garden. And the next day, the temperature rose to the mid-city 60s. And we were back outside sunbathing again. Time will tell if the blossom had suffered seems to be all right now. All the buds are still green in our fields and my jasmine is still blooming beautiful and yellow. Um, my duffs, duffs, my daffs are budding. Despite the blanket of snow, they seem to like it, I suppose. Now can spring come? Well, my daughter and I braved the weather that Sunday to go see an early showing of Alice in Wonderland. Although it was good, it didn't live up to the hype. Yes, Johnny Depp was in it, but it was hardly recognisable, and Helena Bonham Carter was not her usual classical beauty. But the English accents were good enough, and I was left wanting to reread the Lewis Carroll classics. Actually, my favourite part of moviegoing is the trailers. We saw one for a remake of The Karate Kid, which looked excellent, so I suppose we'll be going to that early one morning while the tickets are cheap. And I just had another major battle with my wires. I was running around last minute trying to sort everything out those electrical cords that convey power to my stuff on my desk. I know I've spoken about my wires before, but I had a major run in. I have to vent. You know what? They give me grief. There's no other word for it. I just want to pull them out and throw them away. My bloody MacBook's supposed to be wireless, and I've discovered that all that means is it can connect to the Internet without being plugged into something. And I'm told that something is called a modem. My Mac still needs to be attached to a power source, but I have battery backup, so I can unplug the power cord and walk around the house while still maintaining access to the web if I so desire. Then if I want to send my words of wisdom to a printer, I have to plug, a pl- I have to plug my plug into something called a port, and the port's attached to another port which goes into a USB hub sitting neatly on my desk. Well, it looked really neat and compact while it was still in its box. 
This hub that's now on my desk has wires coming from it, making it look way too busy. My lovely husband brought me the USB hub to tidy up my desk and give me more room to plug in other thumb drives or my headphones so that I can talk to you on this show. The good thing is I can unplug this little contraption crash-free whenever I feel the need to go and walk about with my portable laptop. I also now have a mic that goes with my headphones to connect to the Skype I use for broadcasting. This latest piece of hardware is very high-tech and impressive, according to my children who are now claiming I'm getting way ahead of them in my technical know-how. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am ahead. In addition to all of this, I have an external hard drive that backs up my computer every hour. Now, this piece of memory space, although really portable when not attached to anything, has to be ejected before I can unplug it from my Mac. Otherwise, it throws a hissy fit and crashes, and I lose all my data, or it malfunctions and doesn't back up my computer at all. It's linked to a program called Time Machine on my operating system, and its job is to dump all the information I type into my word processor onto HG Wells. That's what I call my external hard drive. Good name, huh? And it does it every hour. And this is quite an amazing gadget. And when I click on it to check that it's working, it brings up this outdoor space screen that zooms in and out on my laptop, making me positively nauseous. No kidding. I'm serious. The first time I did it, I was retching into my waste paper basket, which luckily is really close to my desk. But one day, HG Wells crashed, and I spent heaps of money retrieving the information I downloaded onto it. And I had to buy a new external hard drive. And this one insists on a power cord. So guess what? I now have a power pack, which needs an extension cord, which sits behind my little Mac on my desk next to my discrete USB hub. Now the wires on my desk are getting entangled, and I can't distinguish one from the other. They're a mishmash of gray, black, and white. That's what's called all the problems today for me. I unplugged something from the power strip today, thinking it was my computer, and it was my angle poise lamp above my desk not my power cord. Thank goodness for engineer-type husbands. I now have everything neatly cable-tied together and whisked out of sight behind my desk on a shelf. My blue-eyed cowboy came to the rescue again. Thanks, darling. And good afternoon to all my friends out there. Now that I've ranted, I'm ready to go. I hope you're prepared for Holy Week. It's my favourite time of the year. I do lots of cleaning and washing at home, which we call spring cleaning, but my children hate the term because of the connotations. And we started this week because our house is large and there aren't so many eager hands around to help with with the cleaning. And then I do washing and cleaning at church, but I do that by myself. This gives me some quiet time to meditate and consider what it means to be saved. And I hope this week has been good for you. Thanks for catching up with my shows, Rosemary and Father St. John's. Listening to friends is always more important than packing. I just wish your move was bringing you closer to us. And we lost our third and final pet this week. I say lost. She isn't lost. She's dead. Lost to our day-to-day lives, I suppose. The tumour she'd been growing on her face got so big she could hardly open her mouth to yawn, clean herself, or more importantly, eat. The vet recommended euthanasia, which we did on Saturday. We, my youngest and I, just had to walk into the vets and tell them in a whisper the plans we had for Molly. And she was whisked away to a back room never to be heard from again. Scary that we have that power. I'm glad we can't do that to humans under our care. On that note, let's go to my book. We're on chapter three and I'm in my second year, exploring the meaning of obedience. My three-year-old asked me a deep question, which I used for the title of this chapter instead of answering it because it was too complex. 
out of the mouths of babes and infants. If God wants us to be good, then why did he make being naughty so easy? During our second year of homeschooling, our children were learning to ride their bikes. I'd tag along with them as they pedaled up and down the streets or the sidewalks of our neighborhood, usually a willing companion. I was out of the house for a while. What more could I wish for? Our grand sounding boulevard was a sleepy little dead end surrounded by fields where we pretended the bears lived. A creek where we commanded fantasy crocodiles to no, no, no crocodile and where trees truly harbored owls. As I've mentioned, we even awoke one morning to cows grazing in our front garden. Urban meets rural. Our children ranged in age from a mature and articulate eight-year-old to a fairly mobile two-year-old. Masterminding a bike ride became a major production, especially when the youngest decided she wanted to give up her stroller, languidly kicking her legs for exercise while I pushed from behind had lost its appeal. Nope, she wanted to join the forces with the self join forces with the self-propelling crowd that comprised her siblings. Thus, she brought up the rear on her big bird tricycle. That yellow-feathered bird certainly played a large part in the life of my family back then. The whole process began as soon as the afternoon naps were over, about three o'clock. We had to get out the bikes. These were handily parked alongside the car on the far side of the garage. A task, easily manoeuvred by an adult, turned into a major obstacle course for the children, as they had the added directive of not being allowed to scratch the car. What can I say? Scratches happen when children, bikes and cars come in contact. Anyway, bikes out, we had to ensure that they all had air in the tyres. None of the children liked the high-pitched squeal the air pump made, so their fearless father, the blue-eyed Texan, and my willing accomplice, equal, and husband bravely took on the task over the weekend whenever he was in residence. Otherwise, we've been known to unwittingly ride on rims, making the going tough and the bike ride short. In the event that we didn't have to brave the noise, or in the event that we did have to brave the noise of the air pump because of a business trip out of town or something, Bobby, not me. The children would line up on the front porch and one by one balance their bike on its kickstand if it had one. Then they'd stand with their fingers stuck firmly in their ears while I filled the tires to the required pressure. Mission accomplished, child number one would ride off alone. I repeated the process on bike number two. This time I had the added worry of watching child number one riding pell-mell along the hazardous sidewalk to certain death, in my mind, while I, in the relative safety of the porch, put more air in the tyres. Of course, I was on full alert, as it's a known fact that all drivers of vehicles seem to be magnetically drawn to a child on a bike. Especially on a bike on a sidewalk. Bike number two, all aired up, would join bike number one, leaving me occupied with inflating tyres on the training bike. And I had two daredevils careening around the neighbourhood with a narrier care for my nerves, that the sleepy little dead end bearing the grand title of Boulevard had turned in my mind's eye into a veritable freeway hurtling towards the magnetic bites of my children, knocking them off right, left and centre, was lost on them. By the time I'd finished blowing up tyres and had caught my breath to call the athletes in, I was ready to go back inside and lie down for a nap. The next step in the process was the donning of helmets. Even the baby, when she was in her stroller, insisted on a helmet. She had to be like the others, so off we'd go looking like looking very sweet, all kitted out like Lance Armstrong, each child displaying his or her colours in age order, green in front, followed by blue, purple, with pink bringing up the rear. The mandatory helmets may allow for no discussion, but the many shaped stars and colours available provided multiple bribe-filled moments. Unlike my peers, whose children were seen riding bareheaded around the neighbourhood, I didn't want my children to risk experiencing the smashed head syndrome 
on the curbside for any hair or fashion statement. This day, as we were riding and strolling along, I came to a friend's house. She'd been watching our motley group wend its way up the slight incline of her grassy street. As we drew alongside my group, as we drew alongside her house, my group stopped to graze in her front 40 while we exchanged a few words. And I'm going to go get myself a cup of tea and clear my throat. So I'll be back to finish this off and to our guest. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriend It, the radio show. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriendit.com. Don't miss Girlfriend It with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. What's your story? Are you living it? Well, you could be. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Her passion is helping others discover, create, and live their personal brands. Yep, you heard me. You have a brand. No different than Coke, Pepsi, or Nike. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing brand. You're not a logo. You're not a tagline. The choices you make become the path you take. This is your brand. Now, live your story. Your brand is not just what you say it is. It's also what others say it is. So what are you communicating? And how can you create an authentic brand? We'll take on these challenges with What's Your Story. Every week, Hillary will feature teens, moms, and organizations that are learning and living their story. Now, her passion is to help others discover, create, and live their personal brands. To find out more, go to inspiredbyfamily.com. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, hello. I'm back. Okay, so my little group were stopping grazing on my friend's front port, front 40 while we exchanged these few words. She said to me, how do you get them to do that? Do what? I raised an eyebrow and scanned the site for signs of a stunt artist. Wear their helmets. Oh, that. I was reluctant to share any of my parenting skills in case they were misconstrued as holier-than-thou statements and contented myself with a shoulder shrug. My kids wouldn't leave the house wearing a helmet. They come up with all kinds of excuses for why they wouldn't be seen dead in one, she opined. 
Evidently, she'd never seen the hundreds of bikers riding past on a Sunday morning in their spandex and helmets. Eye candy for me and perfect validation for wearing safety attire on their heads for my growing ranks. I ignored her subtle dig that helmets looked dorky. It was evident there was no way she was venturing into the realm of unpopular mum. So, how do you do it, she persisted. They don't ride without their helmets. End of discussion, I succumbed. I wish I could do that, but they'd hate me for it and rip them off as soon as they got outside. I thought, try getting in the car, running them aground and embarrassing them mightily in their neighbourhood by walking their bikes back home with you and forbidding them to step foot outside the house for the next week without a helmet on, no matter what they're planning on doing. Anyway, I kept my lips glued together as I thought. I contented myself with raising my eyebrows in an irritating French manner, an expression lost on my American counterparts. Come along, children. Yes, I really did sound like Mary Poppins in those parental affirming moments. Let's get going. We can't stand and talk all day. Bye, Kay. We resumed our wending. How do you do that? She muttered. I did my vapid shrug thing. Yes, ours were obedient little offspring who'd been taught to do what their parents commanded. Otherwise, consequences... And I see I have my guest, Deborah. Deborah Bell is on the line with me. Hello, Deborah. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Deborah, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you perfectly. Thank you. Okay, Deborah. Um, Tell me a little bit about yourself and then we'll talk about your book, Okay. Right. Well, currently, I'm a retired homeschool mom. I homeschooled four kids, Mm -hmm. K through 12. Um, Prior to that, I was a teacher. And I currently am uh, still very involved with the homeschool community here, primarily in south-central Pennsylvania. Okay. And um, you said you were a homeschool mother. So what was your reason for homeschooling? Probably twofold. Um, I am a former public school teacher and... Uh, I think uh, primarily went into homeschooling because I thought there were educational benefits I could provide my kids at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also are evangelical Christians, so that was a, another concern that we had, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's a concern a lot of people have. And I think in the end, with me, that was my major concern, too. That's why I stayed in homeschooling more than got into homeschooling the first time. Um, I went onto your website and I noticed that you um, conduct a lot of seminars. So you turned your homeschooling experience into something where you could travel and talk to other people about homeschool. Yes, actually, right when I started homeschooling my sons, who are now 27, the Mm -hmm. year they turned five and I began homeschooling them for kindergarten, um, a friend of mine who ran the state organization here in Pennsylvania also asked me to come and speak at their convention because she knew I had some teaching experience. Mm-hmm. And um, from that, um, a lot of other groups started to ask me to speak. So I've been doing that since 1988, actually. So while you were homeschooling your children, you were also working. Is that correct? Yes, but in a, yes, um, but in a part-time way. And, in fact, when my uh, four kids were in high school, Vivian, I pretty much had to cut back because of the demands of high school at home. Yeah, but, and then yeah. I wrote a lot, too. I've written a 
a book that's been in print since 1997. So uh, that also contributed to my speaking engagement. Okay, so the book that you're referring to is The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling, correct? Yes. Yes. And um, so was that originally um, published by Apologia Educational Ministries? No, it was originally published by Thomas Nelson. Oh, okay, okay. And Apologia bought the rights last year. Oh, okay, so that... So has your other book come out yet, The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling Teens? That is in post-production. I'm very excited about that, and it's scheduled for release in May. So... um, had you used Apologia's curriculum during yes, your homeschool? Yes, we did, actually. We used, uh, we used um, Jay Wilde's material very early on. All mm-hmm. four of my kids uh, used uh, the science curriculum, and then we were involved in a large homeschool co-op where uh, we used uh, their materials for all of the science courses. Well, yes, I did exactly the same thing because my son wanted to be an engineer and I thought, well, I can take him so far, but I cannot handle the chemistry and the physics. So I found a co-op where these two ladies who knew chemistry and physics inside out were using um, Dr. Wiles' um, books. And after about four years, I was brave enough to teach my two younger ones the chemistry and physics without having to use the co-op. That's how great those books are. Yes, I think they're written in a very conversational style as yeah. well, so uh, our kids found them engaging. And they, at the front of the book, actually, there's a, there's a help, help for high school help or something, an email. And so I typed in a question one time. You know, within 30 minutes, I got a response, not expecting one so quickly. So really, they're there to help you. They really are there to help you as well if, you, if you're kind of stumbling around. So I liked that. So that was just kind of out of the blue that Apologia picked up your your book from Thomas Nelson. Is that correct? No, not exactly. Okay. <laughs> I've been good friends with Zan Tyler, who is the now the managing editor at Apologia. We've okay. been good friends for years. We've worked on Crosswalk uh, together, one of the early homeschool portals online. Okay. And um, so we have... Um, known each other for a number of years, and uh, Zan contacted me and um, invited me to come on board when she was uh, considering an offer to join the Apologia staff. She um, got me involved very early on, and I'm very grateful for that because it's a wonderful group of people. Yes, I know. Um, So you mentioned a um, crosswalks. You you mentioned crosswalks, which is... Was that, did you say it was an online curriculum? No, Crosswalk um, is a website. A website? And uh, it's a large Christian community online. I mm-hmm. believe they still have their homeschool channel. Mm-hmm. And Zan was their, their original, um, I guess, moderator for the homeschool channel, and I was one of their weekly columnists. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so because Crosswalk is still, um, I believe, in existence, and, and that's how Zan and I uh, originally got to know one another. Okay. And, of course, we've been doing conventions for years. She's a very popular speaker and is also an author as well as an editor. Well, I went back in and looked at some of your um, seminar topics. Actually, I didn't. I looked at your schedule for the rest of this year and um, your schedule for last year. And it looks as though your love of travel 
has been fulfilled. I see a European, well, two European destinations. You went to Greece last year, is that right? That, yes, exactly. And so how, I mean, worldwide, how do, how do people hear about you, I suppose, with the internet? It's easy, really, isn't it? So were you invited to go and, and do a, or was it an American seminar that went over there or how did that work? Uh, yes, I think the um, primarily the publication of my book in the late 90s, which ended up being a bestseller, it really uh, immediately uh, surpassed Thomas Nelson's projections. And um, that just um, probably is how people in Europe have heard of me, though I'm primarily being invited over there by expatriates who are homeschooling abroad. I'm going to Germany next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, to speak to the military community, and I just got back from Hungary, uh, where I was uh, speaking at a conference, uh, primarily for uh, people doing missions and other humanitarian work um, in uh, in Europe. And uh, so, a lot of folks come to back to the states on furlough, and they go mm-hmm. to a homeschool convention. And um, I think I've keynoted or been a featured speaker at. Um, probably two-thirds of the major conventions, uh, as you saw on the website. So I think um, that's how folks have come to hear of me. And, of course, I never put any prohibitions on my tape, so uh, folks uh, pass the seminars, the audios around, I'm sure. Yes, yes. And um, when, you, when, you, when you travel out of the States, do you kind of turn it into a – do you stay for a week and do touristy things, or do you just go for the, the seminar and come back? Um, uh, both just depends on my schedule. If you may have seen on my, um, website, Vivian, that I'm finishing a doctorate, uh, currently, and that, um, keeps me pretty tied down at the moment, but, um, when I just finish up in, um, Europe, I decided to fly home through Ireland and spend mm-hmm. a couple days there, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, when I go over to, uh, Germany next month, uh, I am staying an extra day, and, uh, a family's going to give me a tour. Um, mm. I do really enjoy travel a great deal, mm. and uh, especially meeting homeschooling families uh, at the other end. And, um, you know, homeschooling is really growing worldwide. I mean, that well, is one um, of the big big news stories right now is the spread of homeschooling. Well, I spoke to a lawyer from HSLDA the other week, and he was talking about the Ramaki family. Have you heard about them, how they've got... Uh, yes, the folks in Germany... Yes, yes. And yes. they came and here I and they've worked got... with people in Switzerland, too, in the same situation. Really, really. So you're going to go to Germany. They're obviously having a homeschool seminar there in... Oh, you're going to go on to the military base, though, right, in Germany. Um, I'm not going to be on the base, but it is a, a co-op of military families there. Okay. And uh, so there are Americans living abroad, and they um, do not have the same uh, challenges currently. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, Deborah, we're going to go on a short break, 90 seconds, and then we'll be back. We'll talk some more, okay? How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Join Learning and Laughter with Louise every Wednesday at 9 Eastern, 8 a.m. Central on Toginet to discuss fun, fascinating, and educational topics. Each week, Louise will be talking with a variety of guests, ranging from authors, educators, parents, filmmakers, athletes, and entrepreneurs, just to name a few. You know, when it comes to learning, the sky is the limit. And so will the topics that are covered here on Learning and Laughter with Louise. Louise Sattler is a school psychologist who has worked within the fields of special education and bilingual education. She also owns a successful company, Signing Families that creates DVDs and special workshops to teach sign language and instructional products for people of all ages and needs. With new DVDs coming out soon, check her website for more information at signingfamilies.com. From time to time, Louise will be joined by her daughter, Natasha Sattler, who will give a college-age perspective to the show. So pour that morning cup of coffee and join us here on Toginet every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central. You never know who will show up for Learning and Laughter with Louise on toginet.com. Let's chat it up with Bloom Talk with Barb Scala on Toginet. Thursday afternoons at 3 Eastern, 2 Central. And find out how women are growing, blossoming, and blooming in their friendships and careers, health, and so much more. It's Bloom Talk with Barb Scala. Check out our website, bloomwithbarb.com. Whether you want to transplant your life or just do a little pruning, Bloom Talk will inspire you to cultivate the lifestyle you want to live. Join lifestyle coach and co-author of Sanity Savers, Barb Scala, each week on Bloom Talk and sprout your dreams. Grow your life. I hear a lot from women. I want meaning in my life. I want a fulfilling life. I want to do something that's exciting. and I can control my life instead of my life controlling me. I can tell the world this is who I am and, and this is what I'm all about. Barb will introduce you to dynamic guests and real women who are redesigning, re- building and reinventing their own lives and bloomstorm how you can dream create and grow the lifestyle you want to live it's bloom talk with barb scala thursday afternoons at three eastern two central on toginet.com welcome back to the sociable homeschooler with vivian mcninney the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, hello, I'm back with my guest, Deborah Bell, um, the author of a best selling book called The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling. Um, Deborah, um, this this. Show of mine today, I've been talking a little bit about obedience, and um, I'm sure you've come across women who look at, look at you and say, I could never do what you're doing. My children just wouldn't listen to me. What do you say to them when they say that? Uh, I think homeschooling is a journey, Vivian, and so um, a, a, a remarkable reason to homeschool is for the changes that God can work in not only our children's lives, but our own lives as well. So um, that is a good reason to actually perhaps consider it. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And uh, I think they think that, I don't know, we're just a different breed. <laughs> People that homeschool their children just aren't um, the same. You know, they do, when they say to me, I just couldn't do that, then I wouldn't have the patience or whatever. And I look and I go, but they're your children, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, okay. And I, I think I would. We really just do need to approach it with humility. It is a daunting task, and mm-hmm. I think that it is difficult to uh, accomplish it without uh, God's help in yes. the in the endeavor. And um, that's pretty much where my kids um, orient or locate uh, the success that they've enjoyed in homeschooling. It's just God's uh, kindness in our life. Yes. 
Yes. So um, you have twins. <laughs> twin sons who are 27. Yeah. yeah. And a, a daughter who's 25 and a daughter who's 22. All, right. All graduates a, of homeschooling and college. Yeah. Wonderful. Congratulations to you. Um, was it was it difficult getting into um, college for your children? Did they did you have tests? Did you do you know the the SATs and that with them? Um, yes, they did. They did do the college uh, tests, but they had no difficulty. They were all accepted wherever they applied, um, and they were uh, very successful um, in college. And uh, I think what they learned when they got there is. Uh, homeschooling had actually helped them develop a work ethic, so um, they were able to um, figure out how to learn when they needed to, and uh, they knew how to put in effort, and that came to that drew attention to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Their professors were very complimentary of their um, study habits. Yes, I've, I found that with my. I've got two boys who um, graduated from college, and their professors just only spoke highly of them and, and their achievements and, you know, want to meet mom. And I'm going, yeah, well, I guided them, but they, <laughs> my, my plan was to breed in them a love of learning. And that's what I did. And, uh, you know, they, they just, you know, they have a question pop into their heads and they know exactly where to go to find answers and, you know, to explore and research on their own. So self-motivating, that's, that's what they are. Absolutely. And I really... Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, I noticed that you have a brand new seminar um, that you're teaching called 21st Century Homeschooling. And you're talking about um, the extra tools that we can use on um, the Internet. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Uh, Yeah, that's uh, something I really enjoy talking about. I've been teaching homeschool kids online for the past nine years, Vivian. um, And that kind of uh, led to me figuring out um, how to find great tools that I could use as an online teacher and also great sources of knowledge uh, and content that my students could use. And so I'm showing um, homeschool parents free uh, applications and free open knowledge or open courseware that we might apply. Um, do you know what open courseware is? Have, have your re- uh, listeners... Uh, been familiarized with that movement? No, no. What is it? What is it called? Open, open, course? open knowledge or open courseware is um, a catchphrase for uh, a philosophical movement on the internet to make knowledge free. And it really kind of came out of MIT, where professors said, "In the new economy, we believe knowledge should be free and available to all." And so they started putting their lectures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their podcasts and mm-hmm. their handouts up online for free, and then other professors and scholars followed suit. And uh, just like many other movements on the Internet, like YouTube or Wikipedia, mm-hmm. um, it's really uh, gaining critical mass. So there are some excellent high school and college-level courses uh, on the Internet that homeschoolers can use for free. And um, then I also introduce them to things like Google Docs and Google Groups and Google Scholar and Google Books that are also free and show them in this seminar um, how to kind of uh, uh, organize that and use them in their homeschool. Well, that's wonderful. I, w- I was reading, I think it was in our um, AARP magazine, actually, something about that where 
you know, adults can go on and, and take themselves for free. You know, they can learn um, stuff about, well, I don't know, mechanics or engineering or the arts. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's the same, same kind of thing that you're talking about. Yes, and it's starting to get organized. Uh, you know, originally it was just every individual kind of putting up whatever their area of expertise was. Of course, people are now making videos showing you how to do these things. But then there are groups of people who are starting to organize these um, open uh, knowledge or open content um, sources, the way that Wikipedia has organized um, knowledge. And uh, so Academic Earth, Mm-hmm. .com is an example of a site where uh, home, your listeners could find these um, lectures organized and available online. Watch Know is the place to find educational videos that are free online. Mm-hmm. That you know, that's that's just amazing. Here I am. I just all I think of is the the dangers of the internet when really there's a lot of good stuff out there and you just have to teach your children where to go and teach them to be responsible and um, use, use the internet appropriately. Yes, and the sites that I'm showing to parents are uh, being organized by uh, people who uh, realize that they have to put safeguards and filters in Mm-hmm. Uh, to protect children because they're designed for school children to use. So yeah. Watch Know is kind of organizing a lot yeah. of videos that you might be able to find on YouTube but might be problematic, just all of the other uh, content kids might stumble across. So this is a site that's really previewing and scrutinizing that and then categorizing it according to subject area and grade level. So uh, that's kind of what this seminar is about, is where are the safe portals online for educational content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit now about um, your book, The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling. Um, and you, have, you have sections within the book about what curriculum to use and, and just generally how to get started and organize your day. How, how is your book organized? Uh, yes, it's, it's organized into 10 parts, and um, it's 500 pages, so I cover, I think, uh, quite a few topics. My own uh, philosophy of education comes through in that I do think uh, a lot of ways in which we teach kids in a traditional setting is not really uh, based on methods that we know uh, are how kids learn best. Um, and so that's one of the things in the book is I'm trying to help parents see how kids really can be motivated to learn. I talk about raising an independent learner. I talk about determining your child's learning style motivating the reluctant learner, preventing burnout, organizing homeschool co-ops. And I do um, have a subject-by-subject guideline section where I talk about what to teach, when and how, and mention some of the curricula that I think homeschoolers have found to be most helpful. And then there's a huge resource guide at the end of the book. Well, yes, your, some of your topics in your book, uh, it looks as though you, you expand on um, for your seminars as well, because I was looking through your seminar topics, and you've got some really interesting topics here. Now, can people get, um, yes, you said something about tape recording, you know, cassette tapes or CDs, I suppose they are now, of your seminars. Is that right? Uh, yes, and I think right now, Vivian, uh, the way the place that they are available is uh, – through places like Rhino Technology, which has uh, 
provided the recording uh, at many of the conventions where I have spoken. I know that Apology is going to have uh, all of the seminars from their recent Apology Alive uh, women's conference, which uh, we just did in Baltimore and we'll be doing in Chicago in October. So Apologia.com is a good place for people to look for uh, my audio um, performances and um, Googling, you know, Deborah Bell, determining your child's learning style uh, and clicking on audio uh, as an option should probably turn up where you can find that on the Internet. Okay, I love, I love this one. It says, Parenting Teens, a.k.a. Riding the Mechanical Pool. That is just so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that title. And um, you talk here about, you know, um, you know, teens, teen angst, I suppose, and the changes yeah. we make and what areas must dad begin to adjust, you know, letting go of your child. They're no longer, you know, sort of babies anymore. They're now, you know, independent thinkers. And I think that's really difficult. I, maybe it's harder for dad because he's not so in, involved and, you know, sort of as we are as, as homeschooling moms, we're there all the time, you know, every minute. Um, so how do you how do you address that how, for dad to adjust? Well, I start that seminar really just by trying to explain just how God has uh, designed teenagers, and I talk about the physical, emotional, and cognitive changes that are going on in teens, which we can find very threatening as parents. But I, if we step back and we take a broader view of it, we see this is God's uh, God's design for their life. They they do need to go from childhood to adulthood and. And so there's this process, and the kids really do not know how to go through it gracefully, and they're not really thinking about how can I make this easy for mom and dad. No, not at um, all. So yeah. it's, very, it's very funny. I like to bring a lot of humor um, mm-hmm. into my uh, sessions, and um, I think dads in particular, um, I always enjoy uh, the enthusiastic comments I get from dads, which usually have something like, I, my wife drags me here. I yes. didn't think there would be anything at this conference for me. Yes. Uh, I thought I already knew a lot about uh, these topics, um, and uh, Deb Bell had something to say and uh, was very insightful. So, um, Well, Deborah, that's the end of our time together. I have really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for including me, Vivian. Well, thank you, Deborah. I'll, I'll um, talk to you again, hopefully. Okay, bye-bye. Well, I'll be back in about... How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Another Way of Living with Susan Dobson is on Toginet, Wednesday evenings at 8, 7 Central. Hi, I'm Susan Dobson, host of the new talk show, Another Way of Living. On Another Way of Living, we talk about what I call the unspeakable. When I was growing up, if there was a problem, a pink elephant in the living room, everybody walked around it, nobody talked about it. Sound familiar? Tune in and listen to my guests and callers talk about their solutions to problems just like yours. If you are ready and really want Another Way of Living, then this is your show. Wednesday evenings at 8, 7 Central with Susan Dobson. On Another Way of Living, we talk about life, its problems, its challenges, and above all, its solutions. Another Way of Living educates and informs. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. Plus, the live format lends itself to surprising and heartfelt revelations from Susan and her guests. You'll be surprised by what's shared, what's learned, and what could change. Join us for Another Way of Living with Susan Dobson. 
Wednesday evenings at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I've been talking to Deborah Bell from Apologia. She was an or- She is an author, a speaker, and an educator who also homeschooled her children. And she's written the book, The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling, and has an upcoming book, The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling Teens. So you can just go online and you can type in Deborah Bell and you can try Apologia. But she comes up. She's the first one that comes up when you type in Deborah Bell. So um, go check out her website and go check out all the great stuff that she does. And so over the years, I found that parents are afraid of the two-letter word that drives a wedge between them and their sweet little children. When confronted with something they don't agree with, I tell them to just say no. Sounds like a catchy directive, doesn't it? I was convinced when my children were young that they were deliberately formulating questions that consistently had no for an answer. I grew tired of saying no, but I couldn't say yes. Not if I was going to grow my children into people I liked as well as loved. Parenting changes adults. I dreaded those Attila the Hyundais almost as much as my children did. I longed to be June Cleaver, but looked dolefully at my offspring and saw no budding Archie Bunkers among them. Being a parent is tough and unpopular. It's supposed to be rewarding, but perhaps not during my lifetime. A parent's responsibility to bring up fine, upstanding pillars of society is a tall order and comes at a price. Children are canny little beings and will test our resolve at every opportunity. One day, as I arrived at the gym for my daily jazzercise class, I witnessed a scene where a three-year-old was screaming as he passed through the glass entryway. His younger sister was in tow, furiously tuck- sucking on her pacifier. The patient mum held the door open for them so that they didn't bash their heads and bleed profusely on the newly polished floor of the recreation centre. Blood's fine with me, I thought, as I dodged the offensive child and continued into the lobby. Oh, but mommy, I want something from the snack machine. His little voice had reached a growl-like proportions as he realised that each step towards the babysitting room took him further away from the treat he desperately wanted. Sister mutely continued sucking on her pacifier. In England, it's called a dummy for good reason, I think, as I hurry from the battlefield. I said no to chocolate, John, so calm down. I noticed that the child had not asked for chocolate, merely something out of the snack machine. Why can't I have a snack? I want a snack. I want a snack. He fell to the ground, clearly embarrassing his mum. 
The babysitter had just walked in, a welcome distraction. Annie, you go with Miss Lydia now and I'll bring John in a minute. Wrong suggestion. Annie began to cry. As I turned my back, I caught little Annie's contribution to the fray. I want my pillow. I stopped in my tracks. How will mum react to this? No, we decided to leave your blankie at home this morning. Her attempt is valiant, but weak. Annie knows the difference between a blankie and a pillow. No, my pillow's in the car. I want my pillow. She's hyperventilating and has dropped her pacifier to scream in earnest. I escaped into the gym knowing the outcome. John would get his snack, not chocolate. Annie would also get a snack. This would keep them both quiet for the babysitter while mum hurried to the car to retrieve the pillow, not the blankie, that had been decided against and returned to the grateful, loving, tear-streaked children. As I said in opening, parenting challenges adults. In fact, it addles their minds. All of a sudden, it's not just bodies, but brains that are reduced to jiggling jelly when it comes to standing up to the fruit of their loins. This is not a popularity contest. It's a job. We owe it to our children to be parents. They need us to set boundaries. And as they reach teenagehood to offer advice, map out guidelines, invade their privacy, spoil their fun, even embarrass them in front of their friends. My youngest daughter and I were listening to a talk show in the car the other day. The host and her guest, a child developmental expert, were discussing parents who were friends with their children and strove to avoid unpleasant scenes of any kind like the one I was describing. The expert said that parents had to be parents and sometimes that meant that their children wouldn't like them. My daughter, a popular 18-year-old, heaved a deep sigh. That sounded serious. I remarked. She turned her head to me and said, I don't know if I could handle my children not liking me. I nodded sagely. I don't know if I can handle my children not liking me either. But that can't stop parents, and it didn't stop me from saying no. All right, I'm going to continue with the excerpt from my book. Remember, we've just had the bike ride and the mom who can't believe that I can get my children to wear their helmets. As the cornerstone of our Christian faith, obedience meets at every turning point in our lives. If we're planning on educating our children successfully, then it's a critical ingredient to the homeschooling arena. Before we can expect our children to obey us, we have to have a healthy understanding of obedience and be willing to submit ourselves. We can start by asking a few questions. Do we know what it means to obey? Yes, we strive to be upright, law-abiding citizens. In fact, that's the sole criteria for keeping our homeschools open and legal in Texas, to turn out law-abiding young adults who are good citizens. What about the obedience called for when we took our marriage vows? The promises we make to keep in touch with friends or to care for the sick or lonely around us? Pledges to support our churches or missionaries? Do we have obedient hearts? Do we really want to do what's right out of love? Or do we do it out of fear or guilt, duty or resentment? As far as our children go, how completely are we obeying the charge in Deuteronomy 6, 2 to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your lives? And furthermore, in verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You don't have to be a homeschooler or even a Christian to benefit from these commandments either. If you go back and look them over carefully in Exodus 20, 1 through 17, tonight, say, just before you go to bed, you'll find that they are quite self-explanatory. Ten gems of godly foresight from 2,000 years ago. 
These helped my husband and I to maintain the rules and regulations we'd set up in our home to train our children in obedience. Let's take a quick look at one of them and how our children related to it in a very creative way. We discovered the one God who had, to be, who had to be addressed reverently with zero tolerance for false idols. We'd looked at resting on the Sabbath, honoring parents, the abhorrence of killing, adultery, stealing, and gossiping. We were down to the final command. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, animals, slaves, or anything that belongs to him. It was during our morning Bible class, and we were in our second year, so they were still preteen. I'd explained to them in a previous lesson that neighbor also meant brother or sister. We'd noticed as parents that coveting in its most basic form was not a new concept to our offspring. In fact, it had been present since birth. As soon as there's another individual in the picture, then coveting presents itself by default. My children's first words were not dada or mama, but mine. They were born with this innate sense of ownership. It was not rightful, but at this young age, that didn't seem to warrant analysis. They found an object in their hands, especially if the object was on its way to their mouth, then it automatically became mine. Although we're not supposed to be able to teach our children, successfully at least, the subtle and painful differences between right and wrong until they reach the age of reason, which according to the Roman Catholic Church is around seven or eight, whether it's yours or mine becomes clear cut at a year old. Trust me on this. Now I'm just one step away from explaining covet to them. This solution may seem rather abstract, but I have had my best success when I make them recite a sentence with deadly sin in it. Hence the following. Envy is one of the seven deadly sins. Remember, I'm still a second year homeschool rookie and using words far too advanced for their comprehension. But they like the way the vowels and consonants sound in their mouths. Deadly? What's that mean, they asked in unison, but not the first time. See, even at this early age, they were skirting the real issue, envy. They may not know its meaning or how it relates to covet, but I know they've experienced its feeling often. It means, I said, repeating myself, they love repetition. Same bedtime stories over and over again. It means that if you really want something that doesn't belong to you, then it's a mortal sin. When you die, you may go to hell. Strong language, I know, but hell was another one of those abstract words that had an impressive impact at this age. They pulled back in horror. So if we really, really, really want something that isn't ours, then what's to stop us from taking it? This is Ian, the oldest savvy one. Ah, that's stealing, remember? An earlier commandment, I say. That's a deadly sin too, isn't it? Asked my oldest daughter, enjoying the way the word deadly sounded and hoping she was right. I'm afraid so, I answered, glad that their quick solution to the covetous problem was coming undone and leading them on the deadly sin trail. Who said so, they countered. God said so, I said, as I grabbed my opportunity to lay the blame at the feet of someone else in our house besides my husband or me. In the Ten Commandments, I explained, and opened the Bible. Everyone knows that if you want something badly enough, all you have to do is wait until your brother's back is turned and take it, observed my six-year-old with wisdom born of experience. Then, if he begins crying, you just ask your mum or your dad, whoever's there at the time, to buy you one too, chimed in my eight-year-old with the unwavering assurance of a fluent homeschooler who has enjoyed a modicum of success with this boy. I sighed. Today wasn't the day to teach the covenant commandment. Wanting to play with your brother's truck is not the same as coveting in the biblical sense. 
Some abstract concepts may have to wait a few years, but the lesson didn't do me any harm. I still need to deter the covetous actions of my children, discourage stealing and lying, gossiping and idol-making, and encourage obedience and the love of God. In my house, if we are even the slightest bit flexible in enforcing a rule or commandment, then our articulate preteens will pick up on it and store it safely in their hearts to ponder at a later time. By building a foundation of obedience from the start, later times will not be held over our heads in the future. And as I come to the end of that, I realize that I've also come to the end of another week and another show, and it's been brilliant. I'm off to the final stations before we enter Holy Week and take part in the high holy days of our faith, which the secular world is trying to eclipse with school snow days falling on Good Friday and auditions for the Garland Summer Musicals on Holy Saturday. I've got lots of washing of cassocks and surpluses to do and prep for Easter. I may go to a nursery with my younger son and buy flowers for my pods and add some much-needed colour to my snow-ravaged garden so that it looks pretty for my Easter Sunday party. So I'm going to say goodbye until next week. And thanks to my handsome, wire-hiding husband who believes in love at first sight and our four children who are the result of that belief, Stacey Cannonberg and her Insight Network vision, the staff at Togginet Radio, and my guest Deborah Bell and Rosemary and Father St. John's for listening in next week. We'll continue with obedience and I'll be talking to someone. So stay warm and have a brilliant day. In the Lord bless you. In the Lord thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on.